Hello, everybody, and welcome back to DDK Pod, the podcast where three guys who founded an IT company talk IT industry news and topics that interest us. My name's Julian Day. And as always, with me are my two co-hosts, Jatinda Candola and Will Dalton. How are you doing today, guys? Good, thank you. Yeah. You? I'm all right. Yeah, yes. Yeah, odd recording on a bank holiday, isn't it? <laughs> Great. Kind of summon up some enthusiasm. But no, it's all it's all good. So we'll start with the news, uh, as we always do. I will go first this week, just for a change. So we have got a story about DRAM this week, because I know how to pick the sexy stories, uh, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Tell us more. <laughs> I mean, it is important. It's not, it's not sexy, but it is important. So DRAM, obviously, is the type of memory that's used in, in computers. So it stands for Dynamic Random Access Memory. Basically, it is necessary to make more or less anything, from a car to a smartphone to all sorts of stuff. And there's a uh, there's been quite a big drought in Taiwan, which is one of the main places where this kind of stuff is manufactured. And the chief of a company called Micron, who, as you might expect from the name, are pretty heavily involved in manufacturing this kind of stuff, has been warning recently that basically there's going to be an upcoming shortage. And this also links into some other stories that I've been reading about recently to do with why it's so difficult to get hold of a PlayStation 5 or a graphics card for your PC. And in a lot of cases, it's because of, again, these massive shortages in chip supply because the demand's gone up so much since covid And that's coincided with Bitcoin mining going through the roof, blockchain stuff going through the roof with all the NFTs and stuff we mentioned last time around. And a lot of countries are actually starting to get a bit political with this now. So in countries where they manufacture a lot of cars, which need the same kind of chips, some governments are now starting to get involved and actually prioritize the chips towards the automotive sector rather than towards manufacturing playstations and graphics cards and things like that so whether or not that will be the right call in the long run is up for debate i guess but yeah so it looks like all of us might have to get used to there being less technology available or freely available as is happening in some niche areas like playstation 5 and stuff at the moment Mm -hmm. it's also worth mentioning that obviously to try and compensate for this people are going to start building new factories and stuff but that's very very bad for the planet Because to make this kind of stuff, you have to use millions of litres of water in a a standard factory, which gets treated and purified in special ways to aid in the manufacturing process. And then once you're done, it's absolutely disgusting, the stuff that comes out the other side, and it costs a fortune to repurify it. So we're back into the whole, you know, batteries and technology and the fact that no one's making it cost effective to reprocess this stuff all over again. So yeah, jolly story to start with. So that's me. Will, did you want to go next with yours? Yeah. You know, uh, I was going to post those AI-generated images of ourselves on Twitter. We talked yes. about it. We talked about it a couple of weeks back. Well, I changed my mind. One to save our audience from the horror of this. <laughs> well, you decided to think of the children, did you? <laughs> Sorry, the children and our wives. I'm kind of pleased by that because mine's the worst. So. <laughs> uh, they were pretty creepy. And two, because I read an article in the Register about a pair accused of turning still photos into videos to crack a tax debt system facial recognition in china so they simply turned these high def pretty high def still images into videos and then they obtain a, a phone that bypasses the camera but uses the videos in, in, instead to trick the facial recognition system during the during the authentication stage of these of these of the state's taxation system and they've been doing this since 2008 <laughs> it's now it's now 2021 you know china as you know is a tolerant democratic country that treats its population <laughs> with the utmost trust now <laughs> now <laughs> it's like, they make, not a political show <laughs> they make use extensive use of facial recognition recognition software in all their walks of life yeah cctv over there isn't it yeah it's yeah, got, got, got yeah, it all over the place everywhere in an area so uh, yeah good luck with that hack so that's the security part of the register it's published 31st and 3rd have a read it's interesting 
Very good. Um, Jatinda, what's your news story this week? So mine is about a pair of YouTubers that have 6 million followers. There are two guys that are twins, Alan and Alex Stokes in California. And what they've done is they have faked a bank robbery and managed to get arrested. So <laughs> what they did was they went to all the effort to dress up as bank robbers with balaclavas. They even had bags with cash in them. And they tried to kind of create a scenario somewhere where they called an Uber driver, they got into the vehicle and tried to act like a getaway. But luckily, the Uber driver refused to to kind of uh, take them anywhere. So at which point it started to go a bit pear-shaped. So they then left there and ran off. And then the police turned up and they held the Uber driver to gunpoint. So it's viral because it's a major thing in America. Oh, well, it's a major thing globally. And it's particularly relevant because something similar happened in February this year where the actual person who pulled the prank was shot dead in Nashville in America. Wow, wow. that's horrendous. I, I wasn't aware of that story, actually. So this is a prank, right? Yeah. They're faking a bank robbery. Why? For fun, by the looks of it. For clicks. For clicks. Yeah. For clicks. It's all about the clicks. Because they're YouTubers, it's almost like a dare. Yeah. I mean, so it's becoming increasingly dangerous, actually, because we touched on this in the, the episode where we talked about monetization algorithms and stuff like that to do with the porn industry. But basically on YouTube, yeah, so the, the, the amount of people you get watching a particular video is directly proportional to how much money you get from that particular video because they use a thing called AdSense. And so the advertisers play, pay YouTube, but they sort of pay by the by the click. So the if you choose to monetize your video on YouTube, it automatically adds a bunch of adverts to it. And then obviously, the more people watch those adverts, the more money you then get. So that's why you're starting to see these slightly more extreme ideas mm. popping up and, and things to try and grab more attention on, on the platform. Because the more, yeah, yeah, because the more attention you get, you know, the more you will make from a particular video, yeah, you know, there are people exactly. who are making enough yeah. eat for each video that you know, they can buy a, an, an expensive car outright and stuff these days, or even more, you know, the ones who have got ludicrous numbers of followers. Hats off to the Uber driver. How brave is that? Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. about to awesome. say that. Well done, that yeah. man or, well or lady. That or, yeah. yeah, That's probably the only good thing out of this story, to be fair. Yeah. I mean, how brave yeah. is he? Because he has no idea, does he? He's, or she. Yeah. We or don't she, know, do yeah. we? Sorry, whoever. Did that person think it was a genuine bank robbery? So, uh, no, there isn't a uh, specific kind of quote attributed to the driver. Mm. Uh, it just said that they refused to, to get, take them anywhere. Two balaclavered up guys get in the back yeah. of your car who may yeah. well be armed, having just yeah, knocked a over a bank. Gun. He probably with didn't have the app. Right. He didn't yeah. have the app, did he? he didn't hate it. <laughs> That was the problem. It could be that, I suppose. Yeah, but oh wow, yeah, oh, brave, wow. brave, brave individual, yeah. whoever that is. Well, yeah. well done them. Yeah. Hopefully, they're listening. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure they are. So we will move on, if we may, to this week's main topic, which is very on topic with Will's news story, actually, which is all about deep faking, because we're going to talk about deep fakes this week. So, Jatinda, do you want to run us through the the intro to this topic? Yep. Uh, so in terms of the, the topic for this week, um, we're going to talk about what deepfaking actually is and why we should care about it. And we'll start off with some type of explanation of what deepfaking is for anybody that doesn't know. Just paraphrasing from Wikipedia, deepfakes are where deep learning and fake material are combined to develop synthetic media, which is where a person's image or video is replaced with somebody else's likeness to create fake content. And it leverages machine learning and AI. To some extent, we'll 
all have some similarities of use of the technology that is applied for creating deepfakes at a very superficial level via things such as Snapchat filters and photoshopping and doctoring videos and pictures for social media and computer-generated imagery from a cinematic world as well. In terms of a more kind of technical explanation and how they're made, Will, would you like to say a little bit on that? Well, I'll give it a go. It's really based off something called GAN, which stands for Generative Adversarial Networks. And we've talked about AI and we've talked about machine learning, in fact, deep learning before. So this is where basically a system examines a large amount of data. And usually it's it's unstructured data, fairly complex unstructured data. So think images and videos. And it learns from the history and patterns of that data to make decisions through the use of a lot of maths, a lot of algorithms, but without being programmed by an individual. So as you know, to train a machine learning system, it needs a shed load of data to make the system, to train the system into making the right decisions. And that can be impractical in a number of use cases. So GAN can take data sets and infer new data sets, new data from it, which you can then use to train your machine learning system. And it does this using game theory. Now, game theory in itself is really interesting, so I'm not going to talk about it here. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. Oh, dear. He's going down the rabbit hole. (laughs) It it may be for a future podcast for anyone that's going to be interested in it. It is super interesting, I have to say, especially if you're nerdy. But basically, and it's where the name GAN, Generative Adversarial Networks, comes from. It's basically you've got two adversarial antagonistic machine learning algorithms, one proposing data, which is like the attacker, and one determining if it's real or not, which is defender. And that in itself, that process, that game theory produces the additional data that we can then use to infer new data sets. Um, so you need to, we're, 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 I think we'll talk about game theory later on in a podcast. But yeah. basically that, that, is, that is generative adversarial networks, which is the technology behind deepfakes. Is it a yeah. fairly recent kind of technology or advancement then? It's pretty recent. Yeah, I can't remember the date. Actually, Ian Fellow, Ian Fellow, is it? He was the guy that invented it. I think back in, I can't remember the date, but it's it's only a few years, only a few years old. But it's come on in leaps and bounds over the last few years. Hence, why you're seeing quite a lot of stuff on social media. Yeah, it's definitely a definitely a thing we should do a, a show on at some point. I think it's it's fascinating the way it works. One thing I'd also jump in with quickly, if I may, is there's a difference between what we're talking about in terms of deep fakes here and and some of the stuff that you see in the media, which has kind of been dubbed shallow faking. So some of the big stories that we've we've seen recently, I'll come on to when we talk about examples, but. Shallow faking is basically where you take a video or or a bit of content and then present it out of context or you doctor it with editing tools. So I've got a couple of good examples of that. I'll come on to them in a bit. But it's important to understand that that's not something that's using GAN to do that. So it's not a proper deep fake because it's, it's something that someone's just basically doing in Photoshop or where they're screwing about with editing techniques in order to try and make something appear differently out of context. So yeah, slightly different thing to deep faking. Cool. Nice segue though. What would be good is if we could kind of give some examples. What are deep fakes being used for and shallow fakes, of course? And are there any examples that our listeners could search for online uh, that might help them understand? You've seen the, the Tom Cruise one. 
that's definitely worth bringing up that one actually because that's one of the best examples i've seen it yeah. is, it is yeah. definitely yeah. one of the best examples so it's recently i think it was on i think it came on tiktok actually it was it published on tiktok but i saw it through pinterest which is another social media pinterest pinterest <laughs> pinterest <laughs> that sounds like something else entirely <laughs> 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 that's fine yeah. that's what i'm here for excellent very funny deep fake of of i think it, uh, tom cruise playing golf most realistic deep fake i've seen although there were i don't know if you saw it but there were link there were lip sync problems that i saw when i was watching it i don't know if that was actually to do with my internet connection or whether it was actually a problem doing the deep fake i didn't notice them the first time around but when i then kind of realized that it wasn't quite right that's when i, I kind of went it did turn out that he'd hired an actor. And actually, I think that's that's interesting for deepfakes in general, is that it's an overlay, isn't it, of images on actually a person in, in terms of this. So the actor who took part, you know, was quite a talented chap in, its, in, in himself because he was doing t- the Tom Cruise movements really well, which gave the film its realism as well as the deepfake technology in itself. And the deepfake technology was basically overlaying the face of Tom Cruise, you know, but perfectly replacing the actor's face with the face of Tom Cruise. But the body was actually the actor. So that, that was a, that was a really good example. And it might be worth touching on the fact that it's it's slightly different to CGI, which which, which may be something that we can talk about uh, another time. But t- but deepfakes and CGI have have relationships as well. Yeah, it's different in the sense that things like the facial features and stuff for that actor were what made it so realistic, weren't they? Because his face doesn't look the same as Tom Cruise's, but it looks quite similar. So it's quite easy for the algorithm to work with it. And and there are other examples of that as well that have, have popped up. You know, so there are, I mean, you know, celeb celebs being put in compromising videos, but in, in <laughs> porn videos is, is nothing new. You know, it's been happening since Photoshop came along. You know, there've been dodgy photos where they've you know, bodged somebody's head onto a porn performer or whatever. But the difference is now that, Obviously, with deepfaking technology, you can you can hire an actor or, or actress or whatever who looks very similar to that celeb. Just as in the Tom Cruise golfing example, the technology in the application is not really any different. It's just that you're shooting them in a different context, and so that's resulted in a a glut of of fake, you know, nonsensical porn videos. But some of them very very convincing by by all accounts, or that have hit the media. And, you know, it doesn't even need to be as deep as that. I mean, even the shallow fake stuff. So the examples I was going to bring up earlier were the Nancy Pelosi speech where somebody basically just fiddled around with the audio and the speed of the video in order to make it sound like she was slurring her her words. And that went all around the world as a news story, but it wasn't true (laughs) because it was just someone screwing around with the, you know, the speed of of the video. And there was another American example where a guy called Jim Acosta, who's a CNN correspondent. He got temporarily banned from the White House because there was a shallow fake video released which appeared to show him pushing an intern. I mean, this was a story that made the news over here in the UK, you know, the main evening news and everything. And the main video that was doing the rounds was, again, it was a shallow fake because somebody changed the speed at a very critical moment. So it looked like he was moving his arm much more aggressively than he actually did in real life. And when you watch the real footage, it's clear that he isn't deliberately shoving this person at all, just happened to make contact. So, you know, even even without all the GAN stuff and everything, even shallow fakes can be very dangerous and end up in the in the main, you know, media, in the main news. So fake news, I guess, is probably another use for them. Absolutely, yeah. And then you've got the more sinister 
side of things as well. So there was a, a lady story that I came across, a lady by the name called Helen Mort, who was the victim of a revenge porn thing. And uh, I wasn't just searching porn stuff, um, but she she had never taken intimate images in her life. And yet intimate images of her appeared on various sites and people told her about these. And she's, I don't think she ever found out who did it or why, but basically what they'd done is gone on her social media, her private social media pages like Facebook and stuff, managed to get into them, taken a bunch of images, including ones of her when she was pregnant and ones of her when she was a teenager and applied the GAN type technology over the top to render her nude and in, in very compromising positions. And it also um, mounted a, a campaign on sort of social media type, but, but dark web kind of social media, encouraging people to doctor these images themselves, so shallow fake them, and make as convincing a reputation, representation as they could of her in some truly horrific uh, and extreme pornographic images. So that was a, an episode That's where crazy. somebody's life was ruined, basically. And she'd never taken a, a photo of that nature in her life, you know, even in an innocent context within a relationship or something. Was she a famous person? Was she targeted? No, no not at all. No, it's just it's just a, a particularly egregious example of, some, you know, just somebody having their life annihilated more or less, you know, until they could try and sort of clear their name. But those images are still out there and they still have her face on them. But you don't clear your name, do you? The material is there. Everyone to see, and you can't you can't ever get rid of it either. You can't just tell the internet to delete it. It's everywhere. I've got a similar case in terms of a fraud, blackmail type of scenario. So there's a, a lady called Mrs. Spone, an American, and what she did was she created deep fakes to get her daughter's cheerleading rivals taken off the team in America. So apparently, her daughter didn't know, according to the police department. But what she did, she created content of the her daughter's opponents drunk and partying nude and then spread them across the local community and shared them with the school. So Mrs. Spone, she's been charged with multiple counts of harassment, and she's obviously going to be serving a sentence for that. But it's just crazy. It just leads you to think that what needs to happen to kind of help protect people from these kind of things? Do they need to, to kind of bring in specific laws? Because as you talked about the revenge porn thing, in the UK, there's specific laws around that that can get people locked up for, for doing certain things like that. So maybe there needs to be something around deepfakes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what, did you find any stuff about what's being done to, to combat and sort of tackle that? I look more at the technical aspects and interesting stories. but From a law perspective, I looked at three countries, basically USA, China and the UK. So USA are all over it. So they've got a act, which is the Malicious Deepfake Prohibition Act in 2018. And then they've also got the Deepfakes Accountability Act 2019, and they've started to pull out some several assembly bills across uh, specific states across the, across the country as well. China, they've kind of got some new rules as part of their cyberspace administration work that came out in 2019. In the UK, however, they're still using harassment laws or copyright infringement more than anything else. So they don't really have anything specific, but it's starting to kind of appear more prominently in cases where there's theft, stalking and revenge porn. So it looks as if they will start to, to bring out some more specific laws in the UK. It's legislative, political, and in some sense, social. Just is always playing catch up, isn't it, with technology? I think yeah. we find this across the board and everything. And horrific things happen in, in the meantime, while everyone tries to catch up. The UK is always bloody trying to catch up in terms of its legal, political Laws. I think the world is in many ways, isn't it? And there's some really sort of, even in the above board area of stuff, there's some quite 
murky, well, I, I don't know, maybe it's just my personal take, but for example, we had in uh, Rogue One, a Star Wars story, they resurrected Peter Cushing in order to have him perform again as Grand Moff Tarkin, the character he played in the original Star Wars movies in the 70s. They literally just brought him back to the, from the dead with with deep faking and someone impersonating his voice and a, and a someone with a similar build. And this is being done more and more. So there's a, a film that I was reading about as part of my research for this, which is going to come out soon, which has got James Dean in it, yeah. where, where they've literally just deep faked him for the whole <laughs> film. Yeah, they're, they're, make, they're starting to make films with actors who've been dead for years, you know, and maybe they've got the blessing of their estate and, and whatever else. But I, I mean, Rich, should we be doing that? You know, I mean, really, someone who's been remember dead? that deep nostalgia thing, yeah. You know, where you upload still photos of your, you know, long since gone granny, and so and bring her, bring her to life, and it comes to life. Yeah, it's the same kind of technology behind it. And it, was it was it Kanye West who did the 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 deep fake hologram of his wife's father or mother or something? I seem to remember there was some kind of story where he he paid an enormous amount of money for someone to basically recreate a, a deceased relative for his wife and then use what passes for hologram technology these days to, to kind of bring a, a representation of that person back as a, as a present, which again is pretty ghoulish, but then it is Kanye West, so God knows what's going on I mean, in his head. the estate of the actor, for example, James Dean or whoever, who, whoever owns the copyright that is James Dean, I mean, they, I imagine, would need to be reimbursed, wouldn't they? There'd, there'd be there'd be royalties that they would need to be paid from them. I don't. I mean, it's a bit creepy, isn't it? But I suppose, in a way, that's quite. You can see advantages in that, and you can see the attraction and the draw in that. You can, you can. But my my main thoughts around that are when someone's been dead for that long, and probably most of the people who knew them in real life have been dead. You know, should a relative sort of two generations into the future be allowed to cash in on that? I mean, this is a whole totally different topic, and I don't want to derail it, but it would be interesting. I mean, it sort of goes to whether there would be a deep fake movie, you know, where where actually all the actors uh, could be deceased or could be alive, but they get royalties from it. Do you know what I mean? Because they could say they would, they could be filming real life in a particular film, and they could be, if you like, outsourcing their deep fake image to another film and cashing in on that, you know, and and potentially uh, if people know about that. Potentially, there's a whole market and an opportunity for for that to happen. I don't, I, you know, mm. for me, there's advantages in that. They're the positive sides of it for me. You know, we took, we hear the horrific stories and they're terrible, and and we need to look at how you know legislation and politics and law and everything else can catch up with that. But there certainly are there certainly are interesting advantages in it. So that's actually a really nice little segue because um, when when I was doing some research, there, there are definitely some some huge positives potentially that could come out of this. So if you guys have a think back to Professor Stephen Hawking, he is an example of somebody who lost his voice completely. And he has probably the most famous fake voice, you know, computerized yeah. or, or, or slightly deep fake voice that you you can you can imagine from the vocoder. I don't know what precise term for that box was, but basically the, the thing that spoke box. for him. Yes, I'm good at this stuff. There are some really interesting research projects going on at the moment because deep faking obviously is also an audio thing. It's not just the video. You have to get the voice right and the sound right as well. And there is a lot of use of GAN and other things like that in order to produce convincing fake voices. Um, so there was a really interesting thing I found, which was lots of different clips of people like Bill Gates and, and others. And, and some of them are uncanny how, how good the computer recreation of their voices. So you can literally type anything in the box and press go and it will sound 
quite similar to that person speaking. But for people who've lost their voice through injury or disease, for example, this technology is starting to be used almost like prosthetics mm-hmm. to give them their voice mm-hmm. back. And That's it's true. not it's not Peter Hawking's voice. Uh, Peter yeah. Hawking, gee, you know what I mean? Stephen Hawking. Yeah. Uh, how did I get that wrong? It's not Stephen Hawking's voice. That's his voice. brother, isn't it? Or, or, <laughs> or, or something like that. What it is, is, is an actual recreation of their voice, but they can no longer speak at all. But it sounds like them, like they did before they lost their voice. That was a cool or use case. Or you I found. could change your voice to whatever, you know, how awesome would that be? You could have different voices, <laughs> different voices for your different mood. I'd go for Bane from Batman, his voice. Which Batman? Bane, the character. What, the Tom Hardy one? Yeah. What, really? That voice? A beastly-like voice. <laughs> oh, mate. <laughs> I'd go for Kevin Conroy's Batman voice. The nerds out there will know or know what I'm talking about. He's the guy who voices him in the animated series and the video games. Very cool. Cool. So to, to move this on a little bit, in terms of <laughs> what is being done in terms of technology to help tackle and combat deepfakes? Well, so there are a number of things out there that you can use to detect deep faking, just as there are a number of things out there that you can use to detect photoshopping as well. So more shallow faking type stuff. So I don't think we're at the point yet where I've ever seen a deep fake that I couldn't tell was a deep fake. And I know the obvious answer to that is, well, how would you wouldn't have known, would you? You got got. But but I, I think even in the Tom Cruise example, which is awesome, and even in the the Hollywood examples like Luke Skywalker in The Mandalorian and, and Peter Cushing in Rogue One and those kinds of things. Even in those, you can still tell that it isn't a real person. There's something in the movement. There's something in the way they blink. What's the stat? Something like somewhere between 60 and 80% of human communication is nonverbal, the whole body language thing, which we've all been suffering with in COVID, being stuck over Zoom. You know, if you haven't got your camera on, it's very difficult sometimes to tell what, you know, what the intention behind someone's words is. And deep fakes can't quite get that bit right yet. See the detail, can't you? If you pay attention to the certain details, it's pretty obvious, as Julian was saying. And I think there are tools now that detect certain, but at a lower level. So there's the, what the visual eye can see in terms of the details, which is pretty obvious now. But it's obviously going to improve, isn't it? So until it's going to be invisible to the, to the human eye. And then I suppose software can take over where it goes down at the pixel level to detect the, you know, the, the sort of blurring and how that works, which is what Microsoft have a tool that does that now. I think eventually, though, it's even going to fool those tools. And I think then mm. you start to look at providence of images and videos that are released. So this is where uh, this is where blockchain will probably come in. And we've talked about blockchain before, where you're actually signing your you know your videos your speech the things that are on the internet you're signing it you're putting it on blockchain so there there is an ongoing providence in terms of yes this is a guaranteed image or video by this particular actor or this particular person and that anything else that doesn't have that you know you just regard as as fake yeah, it's interesting, isn't it, how there's been such a push towards things like Microsoft Hello and, and face recognition on phones and things, but in a world of deep fakes. <laughs> well, look at those Chinese Chinese fellows, you know. Who exactly, were, yeah, yeah, it goes back to that story earlier on, doesn't yeah. it? But all the, bio, the push towards biometrics recently, visual biometrics, are going to become more and more unreliable as deep faking technology improves. So there's a few things that we found that for any of our listeners that want to have a little bit of a, a little look online, there is a tool that's been developed by Microsoft Responsible AI team, which is called the Microsoft Video Authenticator. It was launched last September, and it can analyze photos or videos and offer percentage scores of how fake they might be. 
We should put our own videos through and see if we're safe. <laughs> <laughs> but what it does, it, it detects the blending boundary of deep fakes and grayscale elements that aren't detectable by the human eye, and then it gives you a score. And then there's also a tool that has been developed in America by computer scientists at the University of Buffalo, which analyzes light reflections in the eyes of people within the deep fake videos. Um, sorry, in, in photos only, so they can't do videos. They think that they have a 94% uh, effectiveness in terms of being able to spot a fake. This tool is going to be showcased at the Institute of Electrical and Engine Electronics Engineers International Conference in Toronto in June so. this year. I knew you were going to say something like that. <laughs> but there's a, <laughs> a, a paper that we'll share a link to on Twitter uh, that gives you more details around how they expose GAN-generated faces using inconsistent corneal specular highlights yeah specular highlights is a is a popular thing from from video games where people are trying to get get lighting highlighting right is very very difficult when you're trying to do it when you're trying to fake it basically so yeah i think we are running a little short on time jk so do you want to bring us to a close on this topic yep i think so in just to wrap up my final thoughts i think that we should be aware of a threat of the advancement of deep fakes because it could lead to certain types of scenarios where misinformation can lead to things such as changes in election results, uh, rioting. You could potentially crash the stock market. So if you get a deep fake of Elon Musk talking about a specific type of share or something like that, like he did with Bitcoin, like the day before uh, Bitcoin started to really hit the heights that it's hit, he had talked about buying some and hence everybody wanted to buy some. So you could create a deep fake content like that that could go out there because that visual media is so easy to consume and it goes beyond like the global reach of language. It's difficult to then send out messages and caveats to control that because of how well connected we are. So that is, is a threat, I think. One of the other things is that there will be a slowdown of information potentially. So people who start to distrust anything that they find on social media will need to then check the authenticity. So if there aren't any tools that as things start to get more advanced that can help us with that, it will slow down that consumption of information, which might not necessarily be a bad thing. And then I guess the other thing is that if there is going to be negative use of deepfake content, there definitely needs to be more specific laws that help people, especially innocent people like Julian mentioned Helen Mort, was it, earlier, who is just a normal person who had her life turned upside down. So there needs to be a bit more specific laws to help protect people's rights, I think. Yeah, it was Helen Mort, JK. I couldn't remember for a second there, but yes, I think that that will make sense. Yeah. It's going to be a major topic, isn't it, moving forwards? I think we'll yeah. probably end up talking about it again one day, maybe in another context. But for now, that's fantastic. So thanks both for that. Let's move on to the recommendations section. Will, did you want to go first with your recommendation this week? Yeah, all right. Reddit sessions. So we know about Reddit. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> the things you while away your nighttime hours on reading. Oh, God, I can't <laughs> put that thing down. So social news aggregation, web content rating, discussion website. You submit content to sites such as, you know, links, posts, images, videos, you name it, and then it's voted up and down by members. So it's been around a while. In fact, it's 2005 and has been in the news recently, actually promoting GameStop shares, wasn't it? And protecting yeah. the company from investors short selling. It's almost replaced forums in some ways. I, I read a lot of threads on Reddit regularly, and, and it's used by people to post, uh, particularly popular with video games, 
community to talk about and discuss games and stuff. But yeah, because yeah. you've got those voting mechanisms, yeah. it's almost like a forum post where you don't have to trawl through the bad posts because the good ones get voted up towards the top. Yeah. So that's Reddit. But they've they've in 2020, so it's about a year old now, um, they've released Reddit sessions, which is based off Reddit public access networkers broadcast community. So you can live stream your musical performances <laughs> from your studio, if you've got a studio, yeah. or from the subway, yeah. or from your couch, or from the bath, or, or, or wherever wherever it is you'd like to play. And believe me, they are all over the place, from the sublime to the not so great, I would have to say. But uh, but, <laughs> but everyone's giving it a go, which is really great. and And it's all sorts of music. So, you know, you've got people on drums and piano, saxophone, random musical instruments that I've never seen before, but but culturally significant for the particular people that are playing it. So interesting in that way. Plus, you also, you, they also live stream themselves busking in the street. Mm. So it's, it's interesting to listen to the talent out there. And there is a significant amount of talent out there. And maybe the, the not so talented, but, but very confident. So <laughs> <laughs> that's... That's... Hey, I'm right here. Come on. <laughs> you should give it a go. That's Reddit Reddit Sessions um, using the Reddit Public Access Network. Go and give it a view. Nobody wants to hear me sing. I can promise you that. I sound all right on a podcast, <laughs> but you don't want to hear me. No. <laughs> right. So my recommendation for this week is This Game Changed My Life. This is a podcast that is commissioned by the BBC, and it's all about interesting stories from the world of video games and genuinely life-changing stories from at the world of video games. It's also notable because rather refreshingly for the video games industry, which is pretty toxic, it's fronted by two women. So Aoife Wilson, Irish lady who is the head of video content at Eurogamer, which is a site that I uh, head over to quite regularly, and another video games journalist called Julia Hardy. They basically go and interview a bunch of people who have had, and I mean genuinely life-changing experiences. There's deaths and births and all sorts of things related to people's passions for particular games there's a particular episode if you don't listen to any of the other episodes there's a particular one that i would definitely recommend which is called alexander king of spies so alexander is a a guy who is known as the martini which is probably a name that's unfamiliar to some people but he is basically a spy master within a game called eve online and the exploit bloats that he's got up to are legendary within the, the video games community, him and his his spy friends on this uh, internet spaceships game. And they actually go and interview him. It's a, it's a, a really fascinating interview with this cold, cold man <laughs> who screws people out of tens of thousands of pounds worth of real money, which is what some of these spaceships are worth with his shenanigans. So yeah, it's called This Game Changed My Life. It's a BBC podcast fronted by two women, and it's available on Spotify and all good podcasting platforms. Cool. Jadinda, did you want to do yours? Yep, mine is the Discord platform. So using Discord... Oh, video games. <laughs> <laughs> so you can use Discord to set up specific channels to have discussions with friends. You can also use it for video and uh, voice conversations as well. And you can also use it for things such as karaoke nights, a bit similar to what Will was saying virtual parties and stuff as well and screen sharing so yeah it's something i started using recently that i recommend for your karaoke nights (laughs) i'm working up to that as soon as i can convince julian to join me (laughs) (laughs) my singing career takes on yeah superb thank you very much guys i also recommend discord by the way just in case anybody's interested so i think that's the show guys thank you very much for that fun debate as always if you want to get in touch with the show if you're out there listening please do we'd love to hear from you we are available on ddkpod at ddklimited.com 
ddklimited.com. That's ddkpod at ddklimited.com with limited spell out in full. If you want to tweet us, we are at ddklimited. And if you want to get in touch with us on LinkedIn, we are Dalton Day Candola. So it just remains for me to say a big thank you to you guys for your contributions today. A big thank you to Charlie for editing this. We'll see you next time. Thanks very much. Thank you. See you later. Cool, cool. Was that a deep fake version of the podcast? <laughs> if it was, it was pretty convincing, wasn't it? It was just as much fumbling and nonsense as usual. <laughs> I think that was a little particularly fumbling. Someone shouting for dogs or lunch or well, something. Was... God knows what. <laughs>